CBS Sports presents AT&T at the Half. Welcome into the studios. John Rothstein here. Wow, what a terrible first half of basketball between Rhode Island and Dayton. The Rams are absolutely getting crushed, and we don't even need to show you the highlights. I do a segment on my Instagram called Rothstein's Reactions. Valentine's Day is right around the corner, and that's a day where the unexpected really becomes the ordinary. So we're going to unveil a segment for you here called Rothstein's Round Ball Romance. I want a team. I want a I know you might be thinking of a dinner at an expensive restaurant, but it's not necessary. you got to try to be like Mark Schmidt and do more with less. I mean, my favorite part of any meal is a nice house salad. I don't need any of those flashy dressings. Set the mood with some candles and some wine. Not too much vino, though. You just want a subtle yet palpable Buzz Williams. A massage for your partner is always good, too, because it allows you to make more adjustments than a chiropractor, if you know what I'm saying. Ladies, make sure your man isn't like DJ Khaled. He's got to stay humble and stay hungry. Have him try a little box and tongue. I mean, box and one action. Maybe if you're lucky, she'll be like Steve Peichel and pounding your nail. Don't propose on Valentine's Day, though. It's not cool. That'll really make those West Virginia weekends with your in-laws even tougher, explaining your cliché story to them. Trust me, I'm more locked into clichés than a CPA on April 14th. Follow these tips, and even though we don't sleep until May, you'll be in bed in February. SB Unfurled and Friends Episode 3. Enjoy! Valentine's Day to everybody. Nothing better to celebrate the holiday than with some Bonnie's basketball. Bonnie Commenter here with SB Unfurled 4, SB Unfurled and Friends, Episode 3. Hey, how's it going, man? Good, man. That uh, sensual R&B love song with those Rostinisms is going to give people a lot of blood flow. However, nothing gives me more blood flow than that CBS March Madness jingle. Every time I hear that, I, I just go crazy. I don't think I don't think there's a better jingle in all of sports than that cbs one right there yeah when i was trying to think of like what kind of r&b song that uh, john rothstein would love to, to hear i thought hey it's got to be keith sweat that seems like the most basketball r&b name <laughs> keith sweat oh absolutely keith sweat i i I'm not too tuned into that like central r&b scene um i i did like it but that cbs jingle oh. just gets me every time though oh i didn't know that song either i just googled like oh. uh <laughs> top 50 like i don't know songs during sex or something like that surprisingly rothstein's accent was like really hard to do because it's like part like long island but it's also part measly like midwestern so it's 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 just a whole mess oh wait that was you that wasn't rothstein oh no no never mind all right wait, anyways let's this, go on to duke has this been you the whole was that was that not keith dambrot last week 
Anyways, Duquesne, what a hell of a game, man. They barely, but definitely pulled that one out, I think, right? I think they're for real. I think the Bonnies are now for real. That was the For Real Cup. It was sponsored by For Real. The milkshakes that are in the RC Cafe, sometimes you see them at 7-Eleven. That was the For Real Cup. Uh, we do have another For Real Cup. Half of it. Yeah, ha- half, half of it. It's like the Arch Baron Cup. Yes, half of the cup. So we are For Real until... Let's see, February 26th, and then we'll decide if we are really for real or if Duquesne is somewhat for real, as for real as us. Well, then we got to get two straws and share the milkshake unless we play at A10s. Yeah, maybe we'll get them at A10s. I would like to see them at A10s. They don't really scare me like some of the other teams. I think we match up well with them. But that was just like such a satisfying win for me. Uh, there's a number of A10 teams I don't really mind, and I can root for them You know, if they're in the tournament and they're out of conference. But I just honestly find this Duquesne team extremely unlikable. Uh, So just to go into that rented arena and take a a stranglehold over them, this seating was pretty awesome. Well, it's it's hard to play in a rented arena when Mark Schmidt used to be the owner like a decade ago. Yeah, that new – I don't think he coached in that arena we played in. I think that's pretty new. It's his property, though. It's his his land. (laughs) Yes, it's his land, his campus. It's his moon township. He literally owns the moon. That arena looked pretty good, though. Like for for what Robert Morris is, I thought it looked pretty nice. Unfortunately, I didn't get to go down, but on TV, it looked it looked like it could be a nice like A ten arena. Yeah, and I think it was a really good performance by a lot of our guys. Um, I mean, uh, Winston had a really good game. Uh, thinking back on it, uh, Lofton certainly was hitting mm. plenty of threes, right? Yeah, the way we played as a team and controlled much of the game was great to see. Uh, I thought it was one of Schmidt's best coaching performances this season, uh, if not the best. Duquesne couldn't really do anything but chuck up 25-plus foot threes against us. And if not for Tavian Dunmartin tying two of his season highs with both 25 points and seven threes, I think we just run away with that, probably a 15-point win. It was a really good team effort. not to get too cliche, but I, I just thought Schmidt outcoached Dambrat. Yeah, I got to agree with you. I'll get into this a little bit later when we talk about Davidson, but I think the three-point defense is something that we got to be concerned about. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, we, we've we done okay lately, I think. Uh, they just kind of settled for hero ball launching threes. We seem to have a game plan and stick to it the entire time. Uh, we were running a lot of half-court offense. Guys were moving without the ball. We were sharing the ball. We had a balanced attack. I mean, we were even starting to exploit some of their weaknesses, which is good to see being proactive in that way, You know, hitting big shots at big moments. And defensively, we rendered maybe their best player, Marcus Weathers, just completely helpless, sore or not, whatever he had going on with his knees. Uh, he's a guy I don't really mind. I, I kind of like him and his game, uh, but he was 0 of 6 from the field. So just a fantastic all-around game at the right time. I, I Like the threes that Dunn Martin was hitting, even that Bailey Steele dude who, you know, we lost the prop bet on with his with his <laughs> cornrows. There was no man bun this game, which was a surprise. Um, it was like a he, braided ponytail. I feel like that. He like must have listened and found the odds maker that I have in Vegas, put a bunch of money on it, and decided to just roll with his cornrows. He, he made a lot of money on that. We shouldn't have aired that. Hey, well, that's a that's a tough accusation. <laughs> it's an NCAA violation, too. I'd <laughs> say <insane>, it's true. <laughs> no, but yeah, I mean, guarding the three, it, it is an issue at times, and you feel like 
the RC is a place where teams just come in and shoot the lights out against us. Um, maybe I'm just scarred from seeing it a lot. So I'm kind of, uh, being a little irrational, but it does seem that way. And I, I tweeted this like two months ago when Duquesne shot really poorly. I goes, Oh, that just means they're going to come in here and make like 15 threes. And so we'll have to do a good job closing out on them. They got a lot of guys that can shoot, but we'll get into that a little later. Um, as far as Duquesne, just overall, such a satisfying win. Just a big win. I loved that game. Yeah, and we did pick up another win down in Pennsylvania. And the next time we play Duquesne, the guy who called that game against St. Joe's is actually going to be calling the game against Duquesne. And he's actually one of our newest friends. We'd like to welcome in a special guest for this edition of SB Unfurled and Friends. You probably know his voice from quite a few Bonnies and other A-10 basketball games. It is Matt Martucci. He calls games for Stadium and ESPN+. Thank you for joining us today, Matt. My pleasure, guys. Uh, Happy uh, middle of the week, I guess, when we're recording. Great to be here, though. Thanks for having me. Happy five game winning streak for the Bonnies, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I feel like uh, I've been I've been a small part of uh, of a decent amount of those five games at this point. Um, they're playing some of their best basketball, and uh, I I think anybody that that is familiar with what Mark Schmidt does year in and year out uh, probably shouldn't be surprised by that. Yeah, they they weren't playing their best basketball in the first half yesterday, but they did kind of flip a switch at halftime. It looked like after a, a twenty or so minute sleepwalk, uh, freshman Justin Winston career had twenty points. He's really been coming into his own lately. I mean, you've covered a lot of Bonnie games, like you said. You've seen his growth and the team's growth. Uh, how dangerous can this Bonnie team be if they're getting production from the the four spot like that? Well, I mean, it's it's interesting, uh, unfurled that you say that because uh, how dangerous are they? I had I had kind of asked Jaron English that same question, and and his first response was, you know, anybody on any given night for this team can have a big night, and I think you saw it again last night. Um, I don't know that I would necessarily call it a sweet sleepwalk in the first half. That that matchup um, was a little different. That matchup zone than than what what St. Joe's has done a lot of this year. That that was, I think, probably tailor made specifically for Mark Schmidt's offense. Um, you know, to to kind of confuse them a little bit. Um, and I think you know it, it did what it was supposed to. So some of that, I I think you could you know you could attribute to to just a, a good scout job uh, by by the Hawk coaching staff. Um, but yeah, second half they certainly made Mark Mark made adjustments. Um, Justin Winston, I, I think for for what they need him to do, I think is an underrated basketball player. There are some nights that I'm sure that that he's frustrating for Bonaventure fans because you know let's be honest, he is a 23 or 24 game college freshman uh, at this point. But I think he fits exactly what we were talking about. The guy hadn't had a hadn't a 20 point game in his career, so he goes off. Uh, for a career high. He hadn't knocked down four threes since that Rutgers game, which was uh, honestly their biggest non-conference win of the year, as you guys know. Um, so I, I I, think this team now healthy with all the pieces that, that Coach Schmidt has has at his disposal, I think they're primed to, to make another run uh, come Brooklyn in what at this point is less than a month away. The A-10 tournament starts basically four weeks from, from today, I'll be doing the, the two first round games on ESPN plus. Um, so I, I, I think they're primed again, but the difference is I think now based on what it used to be and Joe Lenardi and I talked about this on the broadcast last night is that 
you know, it's not like you look at Bonaventure and say that's a dark horse team. It's almost like we expect it now going into Brooklyn because they're capable of it and they've done it so many times before, just just like they did not even a year, just just last March, where you know they they end up um, they end up right there, you know, right there against St. Louis. Um, where it's it's almost become like we expect it to happen rather than you know it could happen or they could be a dark horse. No, they're they're not a dark horse. That's just called consistency at this point. They're just they've become an, an upper echelon Atlantic Ten team in the last in the last six seven years. Right, and like I was telling Unfurled earlier, this is really important for Winston to step up because of Stockard because we have Kyle Lofton, who's a great point guard, of course, and Oshun is a force down low, but. We don't really have that big slasher that can really drive into the hole. And now Winston's really been starting to drive more. So that's going to help. Yeah, out our I offense, mean, and, I think. and that's something that I noticed with him last night. He was do, doing a really good job, not only driving, but just flashing to open spots on the floor. He was able to get to the elbow a couple times. He was loving that right corner uh, right next to the Bonaventure bench in the second half. Um, I, I don't think, honestly, that's, that's, that's not the issue with his game. Um, I think they, you know, it's, this happens with a lot of college freshmen. You you want to make sure they're as dialed in as possible at both ends of the floor. And I, I know, um, you know, I think the the Bonaventure coaching staff is is pleased. I think with where he's going uh, on defense, but I think they could they could you know would like to see some improvement at that end. Um, but in terms of you know what he's done as of late offensively, uh, I I don't think there's you know there's really anything to be to be all that upset about. I think. You know he's he's a growing freshman. He's a growing college basketball player, uh, just like his high school teammate AJ Vasquez. And uh, you know another guy who comes off the bench, uh, who I think his best basketball is is ahead of him. Um, you know, specialist three point shooter, but I think growing. You know, growing with with every college basketball game that he has. Yeah, you've seen a lot of those two recently, especially because you've been covering, what is this, like probably your third or fourth game for the Bonnies in the last two weeks, right? <laughs> uh, so we had three in 13 days on stadium. Um, so then this would, I guess, technically this would have been four in four in about 20. So something like that for right. four in the last three weeks. Uh, by the time all is said and done, I will have, have had them five or six times total uh, in the Atlantic 10 schedule, including including the, the St. Joe's matchup last night. So, yeah, I'm, I would say I'm pretty familiar at this point, but I, I like it. Like I, I, I've said this a thousand times. We've said it on the air. John Giannini and I have. I like Olean. I like going to Bonaventure. Getting there is is a, a pain in the butt, to be frankly, frankly honest. Um, <laughs> but once I'm there, like I like being there. Um, I mean, I'll be honest with you, the, the day leading up to the George Washington game, I ran errands around town. Like I stopped at CVS and like bought my wife and daughter Valentine's Day cards and, you know, bought, I don't know, I think I needed hair gel or something like that for the broadcast that night. So <laughs> I went out and I ran, I ran a bunch of errands like in town. Um, you know, and you went up to Niagara Falls there too, because we saw that shot before or at the intro yeah. of the, uh, of the GM. Yeah. Game. So that kind of started. Um, the nice thing about our crew, uh, our producer is a guy named Russ Winham, uh, who's done a bunch of ESPN broadcasts, really, really hardworking guy who's been around the business a long time. And um, I think it was the Saturday before when, when we had the Mason game up there where he and I were talking post game. And I said, when are you getting in on Tuesday? And, you know, he said, I, I get in at, I, I think 1130 or quarter to 12. And I said, well, my flight gets in. I think between 12 and 1230. And he said, yeah, I was going to go to Niagara Falls. 
And I'm thinking in the back of my mind, oh, that's a great idea. Uh, I've never been there. And I think he was thinking about it, you know, as kind of like a kill two birds with one stone type thing. Like not only you get to go and you get to appreciate the, the wonder that it is and the sight that it is, but also to get some shots, you know, for our broadcast. So that was what we did. Uh, we spent spent about an hour and a half um, up there just kind of walking around. Uh, there, was, there was too much ice on the one path to actually really go down and get really, really good footage. Um, but we used a bunch of those shots, you know, coming back from our broadcast. Um, you know, to be to be perfectly honest, like they were shot, they were shot off of an iPhone. Um, but you would have never known that. Um, with with the way today's technology works um, and the way that they were able to incorporate it, but yeah, it was it was something that kind of came about, and it was something I was really glad we did. Stopped there for a couple hours, and then uh, ended up getting out and having a having a meal at uh, I did by myself afterwards. A meal at, at Anchor Bar there. I was the only guy in the I was the only guy in the restaurant. Uh, ordered myself <laughs> some wings and a beverage, and yeah, it was great. Um, I've I've like I said, I've really grown to appreciate Western New York. So, and I, I'm looking forward to our next trip, which uh, is exactly, I believe, two weeks from today when we come up for uh, the Duquesne rematch. That'll be a good one. Um, so I, we do want to get into like the local cuisine of Olean because it is kind of underrated. The, the main jab we hear on Twitter is, oh, yeah, there's just an Applebee's. And I'm like, no, you're in Western New York. Come get some wings, get an awesome burger. There's awesome fish fries. There's a lot of great places to eat. I don't know if you've been to the Beef and Barrel. Uh, I, I heard you know Dr. I G mention this. Dr. G definitely has. Yeah. Okay. So, so you you know, uh, great spots to eat. What um, what's the best A10 city as far as local cuisine goes? Are there are there favorite spots that Matt Martucci goes to across the A10s that you know other fans should check out if they're uh, in the areas? Well, let me think here. Uh, off the top of my head, um, wow, it's it's always uh, it's a staple whenever we go to Dayton. Um, there's a, a place that's known for its steaks called the Pine Club uh, in Dayton. It's not not exactly the cheapest place in the world, um, but it's it's one of our favorites. Um, it's a lot of the time like you have to have a membership or know somebody that has a membership to to get in there. So that one's a little different. Beef and Barrel. Uh, whenever we come to Olean. It's one of the first things G usually says. It's like, all right, you want to go? To, you want to go to beef tonight? And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. Like, let's go. Um, you know, so we'll go to practice, or we'll go to uh, yeah. It would have been, I guess, GW practice. Uh, we went the other night. It was last Tuesday. Went and then you know we walk in. You can you can always find a couple seats like right there at the bar. You sit down and have dinner. Um, the bar uh, the bartender Tom yep. has become uh, become a friend of ours. So. Uh, because we've we've had dinner there three or four times, and you know we're we're pretty easygoing, um, and that you know most of the time we want to be able to sit down with a at a place that has a TV where we can watch w- whatever college basketball game is on that night, talk about our game the next night, and you know just kind of kind of sit there and, and be a couple of guys you know who who like to watch college basketball. So uh, the beef the beef is a is a good spot for that for sure and it's it's a place that we've really grown to appreciate. I I love their desserts probably more than anything. Uh, their steaks and stuff are really good, but um, when I go there if I don't end up ordering tin roof sunday pie, it'll be it'll be something else. Um, and then my my cholesterol and my waistline <laughs> end up paying for it for like the next week after I go home and try and eat healthy again. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's one of my favorite spots. Um, when we go to Duquesne, 
there's a place uh, on top of Mount Washington that overlooks Pittsburgh. It's, you know, just, you would never even really know it existed. Um, it's inside of a steakhouse called the Grand, it's the Grandview Saloon inside of, uh, I think it's Coal Hill or Coal Fire Steakhouse, but it's just, you know, it's just a small little, small little bar, like restaurant cafe area where you can, you can basically just sit and get a good view of the city and, um, you know, sit down, have a have a drink, have a meal, and and watch good basketball or good sports. It's it's a place that I love to love to go, and I feel like it's it's kind of a hidden gem um, there because it's it doesn't seat that many people. There are probably only like twenty twenty five seats in that place, but you can sit at the bar, you can grab a table. It's it's great. So those are those are like three or four spots uh, right off the bat that come to mind uh, whenever we're at Davidson. Uh, you know, we'll probably go post game and, and grab food at Brickhouse Tavern, uh, right across the street from campus. Where I've heard that's a good one. Yeah, typically you can you can find um, the Bonavich or not the Bonavich or the Davidson coaching staff there usually afterwards. Um, so that that's usually pretty cool. That's a lot of fun. And honestly, I probably would have had to do more research out, outside of that off the top of my head. Though, put those are those are probably three or four places though that that automatically come to mind. Yeah, and next time you probably have to go to Four Mile Brewing up in Olean because that's where Coach Schmidt is hanging out after the game. Okay, I've been there. Been there. Uh, we were there uh, for I think nachos and and something <laughs> else to eat. Um, probably right after that Saturday game. Uh, hey, I uh, I live in Olean, so next time you're in town, Duquesne game. If you're going out with Doctor G or whoever, get a hold of me. I'll take you out. We'll, <laughs> we'll go beef. We'll, we'll gallivant around town. I don't care how cold it is. I'll take you to all the all the other hidden gems. Um, yeah, I've heard, I've heard the bistro's good. Um, I've yeah, been, he loves steak I've king. Been to, I've been to Grand Slam. Uh, for, I've had lunch at Grand Slam Grill. That's that's pretty third good. base. Um, Randy's up the river. Both good I, good spots okay. to get wings. Okay. Yeah, I've never been, uh, and obviously state king. Yeah, we've been to a couple times. Um, shout out to uh, to our guy Canute Johnson. Uh, Canute, yeah, yeah, good guy. Um, so yeah, those, those are just a couple of the spots though that come to mind in, in some of the, some of the different cities. Uh, I'm trying to think, uh, George Mason, there's a, there's a spot like right across from our hotel in Fairfax that we typically go. It's just a, just a sports bar, but you know, same type of thing. TV's everywhere, you know, good, good chance to watch good college basketball the night before. Usually we're, we're down there for a Tuesday game. So it'll usually be whatever Monday night games are on, um, the night before we'll be, we'll be checking out. So but like I said, we're we're pretty easygoing. Um, you know, it doesn't have to be anything crazy high end. We're just just a couple of guys, and and I'll throw our producer Russ in into that uh, as well. Just to, just three guys that that like to go out and watch college basketball and, and have some food. Yeah. Really. Now on the court, it's been interesting to see Doctor G transition from somebody that we would heckle when he was coaching at LaSalle in the student section to now he's become <laughs> one of, if not our absolute favorite color commentator for these games. So how have you seen him really develop from just being a coach of a team to becoming one of these, you know, highly respected up and coming, uh, uh, analysts? Well, I mean, it, it's funny too, because I, you know, what I knew about G like before we worked together, we, you know, we knew each other to say hi and stuff like that. He would always come over, say hi to Joe Lenardi, usually before our games. I had, I think I had had LaSalle on TV once, um, in the, you know, the few years leading up to it, I actually, I'd had them, I had them in the A-10 tournament first round one year 
And then uh, I'm trying to think what else I had, though, maybe a home game against American a few years back. So, like, G and I didn't really know each other all that well. Um, but it, it's funny, I'll tell you a, a, a really quick story about like the way that we ended up getting off on the wrong foot like, before we started working together. So, I don't know how it happened. Like, I somebody had given me his number, I had his number once I found out we were going to be working together. Um, but inadvertently, like I, I have no idea what happened. His number ended up blocked in my phone. So really, <laughs> for, for like the better part of like a month, he's trying to get a hold of me, like leading up to the season. And like there are all these people telling me, like Janine's, you know, G's trying to get a hold of you. John's trying to call you. Like um, my one of my really good friends that would, uh, used to work at St. Joe's, my old boss at St. Joe's, Marie Wozniak, was like, G wants to know like what you what he did to piss you off. <laughs> and I was like, absolutely nothing. I was like, I don't have any issue with the guy at all. Like, I can't wait to work with him. So, you know, like you go in, I, I have an iPhone and you go into your, your voicemail and, you know, sometimes if like you have like a spam number or something like that you have blocked, you'll get like a, there's like a little, little tab that says like blocked messages or blocked voicemails. And sure enough, there, there were like five voicemails from him. Over the course of like three or four weeks, where I'm like, "Oh my god, I am such an ass!" Like, how did how did this end up happening? Like, I can't believe that this just ended up happening. So I I call him and I'm like, John, I'm like, I'm like, number one, I'm like, I am so sorry. Like, I have no idea how this ended up happening. I'm like, but your number was blocked in my phone. Um, but yeah, he and I. The first, like the the first couple of weeks before we even started working together, like got together, had dinner, um, started to talk about the season, and I think the, the first thing I noticed, and this was obviously evident if you ever ever watched any game that he coached in, his teams were always meticulously prepared, um, and that that same thing has carried over into his broadcasting. Um, he wants to talk about the game well before you know that we, we even get up there. Um, he and I are tossing around ideas with our producer, Russ, and you know, just kind of trying to figure out what are the themes, what are the big things that we need to be talking about uh, in terms of both teams. And you know, he wants to get better. I, I think that's, that's the, the biggest thing. Like after the game, like he'll pick my brain or he'll pick Russ's brain and say, you know, what, what, what needs to be better here? Uh, where can I get better? And I think in, in a matter of not even a full two seasons – I think he's really, really developed into somebody that 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 is going to be really good at this. Um, we we talk about it all the time. Um, you know, I, th- I think he's getting better. You know, just the the joking around and just you know let's let's just be ourselves type of thing. Um, and I think that's really shown up a, a lot more this year. Um, in that you know he and I are just we're we're two guys having fun getting to call Atlantic Ten basketball. Um, I think we we love the camaraderie. Of, of these trips and of getting to see guys like Schmitty and, you know, getting to know a lot of these coaches in the A-10. Um, my, our first and foremost focus is to do a really good job for the league and make sure that we're promoting the league. Um, and obviously that stadium is doing a good job as, as a league partner promoting the league. Um, but we love it. We honestly, well, I look forward to it. Like I'm bummed out. We don't have a game this week. I don't have another. I don't have another game with him, and for like another ten days, we go to Dayton for the the Duquesne Dayton rematch, which should be a heck of a game. Um, but yeah, I mean, to the the short answer to your question is, 
uh, you know, how much growth has there been? There's, there's been monumental growth, I think, from, from year one to year two with him. And I think there's still room for a lot more growth. But I, I think if he wants to do this, you know, for as long as he wants to do it, he, you know, he has a, a second career as an analyst um, in addition to his athletic director job at, at Rowan. Uh, while, while you guys do have some downtime, can we get you two on to do like a, a cold open parody of Eminem's song Stan where Dr. G is like an obsessive fan? Uh, he's like an obsessive fan of you. He's trying to get a hold of you. You're not responding. I'm thinking like the Dr. G rapping the uh, I wrote you, but you still ain't calling like that. that, that. Matt Martucci, yeah. it's been six months and I <laughs> since I last wrote you. <laughs> Dear Tooch, I wrote I wrote you, but you still ain't calling. I left my name and my I left my name at the, and my number at the bottom. I sent some messages back in autumn. You must have never got. Can we, can we get you two on for that? Can, can, no. <laughs> we will write it for you. We'll get Doctor G on. He can rap with you. We can get the beat down. Are, are you are you saying yeah, yes to this right now? I, I I don't I don't know that we're gonna do that, but um, but but I. I I just I gave you a little piece of what it would sound like right there. Well, Wilbertown, are you guys? All right, yeah, it's perfect <laughs> there. Um, oh, that's funny. Yeah, it's you know, it's funny. I've never told that story before, so you guys are getting it exclusively. Um, <laughs> I like it. But, uh, I don't. I don't. I don't think he would mind because we always we still laugh about it to this day. Where he's like, you know, it's like he's like it took my wife like a little while to get over it. Like she thought, like she was like, wow, this guy's really a jerk, and I was like. <laughs> I was like, no, like not at all. Like that was not my intention. I was like, I didn't even know you were calling me. Like, come on, G. Poor Dr. G. I do want to ask you something uh, a little more serious because uh, you're from Eastern PA. So I, I want you to take us back, if you will, Matt, to uh, Philadelphia. It's 1996. Uh, you were you're probably in what, like middle school at the time. Do you remember – Kobe when he was at Lower Marion were you aware of, of the Kobe hype at the absolutely. at that young age absolutely um so 1996 I was 12 years old um and yeah I mean it it started I think the year before honestly uh because the one of the local papers there uh where I grew up uh, I grew up about you know 40 minutes outside of Allentown Pennsylvania but there was a lot of hype uh 1995 and I, I think it was the PIAA playoffs. There was another local school, Whitehall, that that ended up facing them, facing Lower Marion um, in the state playoffs. So that was for me kind of when it started. Um, I think that's that's it, it's kind of um, this is like a a smaller conversation on what's um, what's like a, a bigger picture thing on on how the game is and just how things are now with technology. In that back then. Like you really need, I've, I've had this conversation with, with dozens upon hundreds of people at this point that, that back then you really had to study the game to be familiar with the game. Like I didn't, I'll give you an example. I didn't end up with ESPN or cable until I was like 12 years old. Um, I, I had direct TV at 12. That was like my first experience with ESPN. So a lot of where I got my basketball information was you know the sporting news college basketball preview in the college basketball yearbook so they would always do like their list of who the up and coming you know basketball prospects were coming out of high school and i can remember you know being a little kid reading about kobe bryant and kevin garnett and guys like tim thomas and you know the list goes on and on um of uh, of guys that were up and comers and that 
you know, uh, that I was really excited about as a little kid. Uh, I remember Kobe that 1996 year played against Stroudsburg. Stroudsburg is 15 minutes from where I grew up in Pennsylvania. And it was like an all time Stroudsburg team. They had a big, big man named Ken Lacey, uh, who ended up playing for the Irish national team and went on to have a four year career at Ryder, um, and, and had a pretty successful college basketball career. But, um, yeah, the, the Kobe hype was was big then. It was this kid from from Lower Marion, from this suburb outside of Philadelphia, who's the son of a former NBA player and a former LaSalle Explorer and Joe Jellybean Bryant, who, you know, was going to potentially take basketball by storm. And I don't even think we knew the scope of what that meant back then, but it certainly developed into it and you know, eighteen all star appearances, five NBA titles later. Um, you know, basically what, whatever, whatever Kobe wanted to do in basketball, he was capable of doing. Um, and it, you, we had kind of talked about this and referenced this, I guess it would have been January 25th, the Saturday that we had the Rhode Island Bonaventure game. We're coming back from break and we shoot the Bonaventure student section and there's a kid in a lower Marion Kobe throwback. And I say to literally turn to, to G and say on the air, like, how about the kid with the Kobe Bryant throwback? Like, that's that's amazing. Um, and then, you know, as as upsetting as it still is to me the next day, like I wake up on my couch after a, a nap the next day and after getting home early from Bonaventure and I, I get like a simultaneous message. I get a text from our producer, Russ, and I get my wife tapping me on the shoulder and says, hey, Kobe Bryant died in, in a helicopter crash. And... Like it was like, it was like somebody, somebody like when you're a little kid and if you ever get in like a fist fight and somebody hits you in the stomach and like you Mm -hmm. get that feeling where you can't breathe and you get the wind knocked out of you. It was like having the wind knocked out of me for like the next half hour, uh, just, and the rest of the day, just trying to process exactly what had happened. Yeah. Um, now, I mean, in terms of the relationship with Philadelphia, I think you guys know there was there was a little bit of strain on it after after that 2001 finals, where you know he he basically looked looked at Philly and said, "I'm going to cut your hearts out," uh, and sure enough, he ended up doing that. But I think the relationship had been repaired, and you know he he was one of us. He was a I I grew up you know an hour and a half outside the Philly media market, but my family is from down here originally. So Philly has always been my home city in terms of, you know, who I grew up rooting for and, and that kind of stuff. Um, so to see that video of Kobe watching the Super Bowl and to see him going crazy, you know, with his daughter, we won the bleeping Super Bowl. That was literally the thought that every Philadelphian and everybody that's grown up rooting for the Eagles simultaneously had in that moment. We won the bleeping Super Bowl. And to see that reaction it was like, oh my God, like he is one, Kobe's one of us. And, you know, that's, that's the sad part of, you know, when you're, when you're so young like that, you lose your life that way is that there was still so much more for him to accomplish, not even just in the game, but outside of the basketball realm. If you look at everything he was doing, the guy had won an Oscar. He was thinking about business. He was thinking about life after doing this. And, you know, he was, he was just being a dad and, you know, as being being a young father myself, uh, I have a little girl who's going to be two years old in in the, the better part of about ten days from us recording this. And my my hope is that 
in that moment, and a lot of other people have expressed this sentiment, is that it came so quickly that they didn't really have to, I hope they didn't have time to even think about what was about to happen. Um, because the scariest thing, and um, you know, one day when you guys have kids, you'll, you'll get this. Uh, but the scariest thing is, as a father and as a parent, is the idea that what if there is a day that I can't protect my children? Um, or if there's a phone call, you know, where something like that happens. And, you know, again, that's, that's a, a long winded answer. Um, but yeah, I, I remember Kobe Bryant. Uh, I miss him. Um, you know, I miss, miss the idea of him just walking this earth as, as much as anybody, as much as any basketball fan and as much as anybody in the Philadelphia community, because, you know, this was a guy who, who had so much life ahead of him and, you know, honestly, even in retirement at 41 years old, was just getting started. A couple of other side projects you basically do outside of the A10, which is you're, you're starting to commentate on some uh, Muay Thai and uh, powerlifting stuff and, and also the basketball tournament. I'll let Unfurled ask about the basketball tournament, but what about those two fighting, fighting and strength sports? Yeah, so um, it's funny. Right place, right time is, is a big time thing in this industry. And you, you hear people always talk about it. And then, you know, sometimes you kind of laugh it off because if it doesn't happen to you, you don't really necessarily know what it means. Um, but th- it's very true in this industry. Back in April, uh, I ended up getting a phone call uh, from a friend in the, the industry, Dave Ryan, who does uh, a bunch of CBS Sports Network stuff, has done, done the A10 and a bunch of other leagues for years. Uh, but Dave had been doing this fight promotion, Lion Fight, based out of Las Vegas, where uh, you know they were they were calling Muay Thai fights, and he was traveling around the country, and uh, they were kind of starting to expand it again, and really trying to ramp it up. Uh, it's really the it's the most well known Muay Thai promotion, really one of the, the only the, uh, one of a handful of them, but but it's definitely the most well known in the United States. And they were looking for somebody because he couldn't do the one. Um, they were looking for somebody to do uh, lion fight. I guess it was Scott at this point. It, we're up to like 62 or 60. I think our next one is going to be 63. But uh, we were up, it was lion fight 54 in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And the only combat sport experience I really had was uh, UFC had, had noticed a reel of mine on LinkedIn a few years back and reached out to, to try out to be one of their guys to, to announce ultimate fighter. Um, there were like 10 of us, I think that auditioned and they ended up taking one or two. Uh, but I felt really good coming out of that, even though I didn't get the gig that I could announce combat sports if the opportunity ever came about. So Dave couldn't do this one, uh, put me in touch with the guy who's now my boss at Lion Fight, Scott Kent, and basically said, you know, if they ask, like, tell them you've, you know, you've, you've done it. Um, you know, you don't necessarily, I, I said this last night. You don't necessarily lie, but you don't offer any information that that would make them think otherwise. That like, have you done this before? The answer when they ask you if you've done it and you haven't done it is always yes, uh, because you know you want to get the gig. You'll learn you'll learn sport and then you'll figure it out later. That's kind of the way I've always approached it. Um, so I flew down to Albuquerque hmm. uh, after probably having watched like eight or ten hours worth of fight tape that week. Um, kind of learned the terminology. Uh, talk to the, talk to all the fighters that we were going to have, you know, I probably watched like two or three of Dave's telecasts and it just grew. Uh, I did one. And then the next month they, they needed somebody to go to Milan, Italy, because again, uh, Dave's CBS 
contract with some of the other sports he was doing wouldn't allow him to do it. So uh, I ended up doing that one. Uh, he came back and did one one in June, and then I think I've done now like the last six shows. Um, you know, since since uh, that one in June, I've been to Italy, I've been to Sweden for it. Uh, it's it's been a really really cool experience. It's it's a sport that that some people might look at and say, "Wow, that's that's really brutal." Uh, I mean, I'm not going to lie to you; it's definitely not for the faint of heart. Um, but it's one where you know the time that these guys and girls put into this. And the preparation and just the, the love that they have for sport is is really something different than anything I've ever seen. Um, and I I respect the the hell out of the guys and gals that do this um, because it's not easy. They take a beating, um, and then you know sometimes a month, you know a month and a half, two months later, they come back and they get in the ring and they do it again. Uh, so it was something like I had no idea this world existed and uh, ended up getting into it. So that was Muay Thai, uh, powerlifting. Uh, a good friend of mine, uh, who's a producer in the business, uh, had we had worked some basketball together. Had reached out and said, "Hey, my my buddy is bringing back this this powerlifting organization, uh, the WPO. Uh, they're going to we're going to televise some of these events on ESPN three. Uh, they seem to be really into it. I feel like you'd be perfect for it. You know, in terms of immersing yourself in it, really learning the sport and the community and the culture. And he said, "What do you think?" And I said, "Great. You know, let's do it." Uh, so back in October, I did uh, what was uh, the WPO Super Finals out in St. Charles, Illinois. And in a month, I'm going uh, out to Columbus, Ohio to call the, the WPO Semis. Uh, it's I believe it's 30 men and 30 women uh, that are going to compete in that uh, out at the Arnold Classic. So Arnold Schwarzenegger's festival. Uh, always be ready, I guess, would be, would be my advice for anybody out there in terms of the business. And be ready to say yes. Be ready and be ready to say yes. And you know, don't let the fear of you not having done something keep you from doing it. Um, so yeah, that's 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 kind of uh, I guess how I got into both of those things. Um, and it's you know, I've, I think I've made a career out of just being ready and being available and being willing. Um, because you know what, chances are I may never call a Super Bowl. Uh, I may never get to do an NBA Finals. Um, I've kind of made my peace with that, that, you know, that that's either going to happen or it's not. Uh, but if it doesn't at the end of the day, I, I like what I'm doing. I like where I am in my career. And, um, you know, I've, I've really enjoyed, you know, being, being a family guy too, and getting to be a dad and a husband and, you know, get, getting to, to travel all over the Atlantic 10 with G. Um, I'm, I'm really lucky. I've got a really, really good job. Uh, one of the best jobs in the world. Yeah, and something else that's coming uh, this summer, actually, that you also have been doing is TBT, the basketball tournament. And I wanted to ask you about that because Bonas is going to have its first ever team coming this summer. Uh, a lot of Bona greats committing. You've been covering the TBT, so I just kind of want to pick your brain, uh, let the Bona, the Bona fans know uh, something about this tournament that they might not already know. What what do they have to look forward to other than just watching their own team and all these guys coming back from Europe, playing professionally, being back in brown and white? Uh, as far as the tournament in general, what, what do you think uh, they can take away from this interview and maybe get, get ready in anticipation of this tournament that we haven't really seen before, some of us? Well, I mean – you know, you guys obviously probably like me grew up maybe reading Sports Illustrated. Once once a year, Sports Illustrated has a "Where are they now?" issue, 
where you know you pick it up and you feel you like you can learn about where old athletes are and what they've been doing you know since they got out of, of whatever particular sport they were playing think of this as a where are they now and i describe it like this all the time a where are they now for college basketball heads you know um like marcus posley i've seen in the last couple of years playing it um he played for played for a yeah. team two years ago when i did it called uh called team showtime i believe it was team showtime uh showtime tt or whatever it happened to be but um you know, and I, I hadn't seen Marcus since Marcus had hung, I think it was 47 on St. Joe's in the in the Light Tower Classic Wonderful in, in game. Rochester. Um, was, yeah, was well, yeah, wonderful game, depending on which side of it was. On. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I think just just that, like right there, that's that's only one example of, you know, you, you run into guys all the time. Um, Justin Gray... Uh, for the Wake Forest alumni team was Chris Ball's backcourt mate uh, on the the team that I I believe ended up losing to to St. Joe's in uh, in the Sweet 16 um, or the second round I can't remember back in back in 2004. Um, but it's I think that's that's what's most fun for me and what I think people should expect to see uh, is that you know you get a lot of guys that had lengthy careers in Europe and that are still in shape and guys that are playing in the league. You know that have maybe haven't been in the NBA in like a year or two, um, but they're still around. Um, and I, I think the you know obviously the the other thing is the Elam ending. Um, you know the idea of of taking uh, stopping the clock with with under four minutes left in your final period of play, and once once there's a dead ball or once there's a stoppage, you know setting what's called a, a target score. Um, so what exactly is that? So it used to be seven points. It's now you take the, the winning team's score. So say there's an 81-73 basketball game. You take that, that 81 and you add eight points and you set your target score. So for one team, you have to go plus eight. For the other team at 73, you'd have to go plus 16. So it, it, you know, it's, it's a, a crazy competitive way to, to end a basketball game. It's like, a, you know, I don't want to say no holds barred, but it's, but I, I feel like it turns the intensity up that much more because you're playing to a number. You're not playing to the end of a clock. Um, and it could end on a three. It could end on a dunk. It could end on a, you know, on a breakout layup. It could end on, it's a little anticlimactic sometimes, but it could end on mm-hmm. a free throw. So, I mean, it's, it's a way to, to basically eliminate the monotonous, just endless fouling that you have at the end of games. And uh, I, I think, you know, you look just how much it, it, this thing's grown. Not only has the purse obviously upped, it went from, you know, from a million to two million. Um, you're also seeing, you're seeing leagues adopt what's going on in TBT. Uh, the NCAA tournament, for example, you know, now when a team advances, they take their name at that region's particular bracket and, you know, they, they take the placard and they place it on the next round just like they did in TBT when they started to do that. Um, and they, they start to film it. Um, the Elam ending is now going to be employed in the NBA All-Star game this year. So there's there's all kinds of stuff, I feel like, that like it's the, the innovation of this tournament continues to add to the game of basketball. Um, so I, I think that's the biggest thing, is that you're going to see things um, that are going to be implemented you know, at major major levels of basketball. Um, as this thing continues to grow. And I mean, I, I think you, you look at the following that it gains year to year. It's just, it's insane. 
uh, how many new teams there are. I'm trying to think. Like I, I get the notifications on Twitter, and I just saw one. Uh, Virginia is going to have an alumni team this year. Uh, that was that was one of the the latest ones that I just saw, and I didn't even have a chance to see who was going to be on it. But I was excited just to see that they're going to be a bunch of Virginia alumni. So, and just like I will with the Bonaventure alumni team, like that's that's awesome. I can't wait to see some of those guys, and I'm glad that uh, that a lot of them aren't in the Atlantic Ten anymore because St. Joe's doesn't have to worry about guarding them. Anymore. <laughs> well, that'll help us get through some of the uh, long stretches of summer without any basketball, of course. It's it's a great three week stretch. Um, I think they're looking into ways, you know, how they can start to promote it a little further out, and because it's one of those things where, like, late July, all of a sudden you just kind of show up, and it's like, oh yeah, TBT's starting to get. Um, so I think they're they're experimenting and looking into to ways to to continue to creatively market it, um, you know, a little further out, so it doesn't just pop up like in late July and then by the second week of August it's it's there and it's gone. Um, but I think uh, you know this is this is a thing that's going to be here uh, for a long time for for years to come. And I'm I'm it's another another example. I was really lucky. I got in on the ground floor of it just uh, like the second or third year that they started because they had a regional. They were doing their jamboree in Philadelphia, and they needed somebody local. So again, right place, right time, and uh, it's it's worked out really well. And I'm so pumped. Uh, Tim Scarborough, who's uh, a, a great friend of mine and uh, who used to do the the Atlantic 10 package um, on Campus Insiders and on Stadium with me. Tim and I do we usually one to two regions. We did the dunk contest, uh, which is a little bit different. They had a posterization dunk contest where you basically had to go up over somebody and and dunk on top of them in order to in order to get points and in order to you know to score to score more or less for the judges. Um, so there's a lot. That's that's a long answer, and I feel like I've given you a lot of long answers to what should be probably shorter ones. But um, that's that's your long answer as far as what what should get you excited. Hey, you are just preaching to a whole bunch of A10 diehards. So honestly, anybody sticking through all of this is really just hooked on every word probably because we're both hooked, right, Unfurled? <laughs> yeah, it sounds like uh, the XFL of college basketball, of ex-college basketball players or something like that. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's better than the XFL. I promise you that. If you watch Aaron Kraft playing this thing and still diving after loose balls and like watching guys go crazy, you know, there's – there's a there's a lot of desire. There's a lot of want um, to be the last team standing for this thing. To be the be the team that ends up winning the single elimination and and ends up splitting the two million dollar prize. And that's the other cool thing I think too. Like these teams delegate kind of how they're going to split up the money. So you know if you have a guy who's like a big addition to your team, you know sometimes he ends up getting getting more in terms of what their designated salary is. But then if they don't win, you walk away with nothing. So it's like all these guys are devoting their time to this with the idea that it's almost like the NCAA tournament in that, you know, there's only going to be one team after this, but guess what? You know, only one team is getting the fanfare at the end. And in this case, because it's, it's a professionally sanctioned tournament, you know, only one team is getting the money. Oh, I, I, I don't doubt the desire at all. And I've talked to, I'm helping organize the Bono one. So a lot of these guys are so pumped to come back and, and play again. I just met from like an experimental standpoint with trying out new rules. I think, I think um, this is a whole nother thing I don't want to get into, but like the NFL might adopt, adopt some XFL things in the same way that you're saying 
basketball might adopt some TBT things and already sure. has. Sure. Um, I think it's just a very creative way. It's something new. It's something fresh. And I'm really looking forward well, to yeah, it. Well, yeah, and you're going to get your first look at the NBA All-Star Game um, at, the, at the Elam ending. And I always bet the over. I think I bet the over on the NBA All-Star Game for like seven years. And I don't know how I feel about this. And I don't know if I'm going to be able to take the over because this is going <laughs> to throw off everything that I'm used to. As far as better. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't have much of an answer for you there, but um, but good luck, I would say. <laughs> All right, Matt. Well, thank you so much for joining us for this. Um, maybe we can get you to drop a stand reference in on the next uh, Bonaventure Duquesne broadcast. But be sure to follow him on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. It's at. T-O-O-C-H-P-X-P. He's on all the stadium broadcasts, usually for A-10 basketball. He said his next game is going to be for us uh, when Bonaventure plays Duquesne. So if you're at that game, be sure to watch him on Wednesday afternoon of A-10s. The Bonnies will not be playing in that, fortunately. <laughs> they will not be in the first round. Yeah. So you should still check out Matt, though, because he'll do a great job making Fordham versus LaSalle or whoever is playing uh, pretty interesting, right? <laughs> yeah, I, I hope so, guys, because otherwise, yeah, and I'm, I'm out of a job so we'll we'll make it interesting i promise if, it, if there's a 10 hoops we'll find a way hey we always do all right thank you so much matt thanks a lot man all right guys take care you Appreciate too. It. well i just try to be loud at every game i mean i love bonnie's basketball so how about that not only is matt martucci an, apparently an m&m fan but also a really huge uh beef and barrel fan i can't blame him man i i like both of those things too that i i enjoyed having him on a lot i mean he he brings a lot uh, a lot of knowledge in a lot of different areas, as you heard. He's he's what one would call a renaissance man, it seems like, and I, I really liked having him on. Yeah, I mean, he's calling uh, Muay Thai and powerlifting and basketball. I mean, yeah. I thought the only powerlifters in the conference basically would be St. Louis, but apparently Matt Martucci's right there with him. <laughs> yeah, and, and his, uh, his stories with Dr. G. I, I love Dr. G. I, I like that team as a broadcast team, probably my favorite A-10 broadcast team. So it was good to get his insight a little bit on the Bonnies, but mostly we wanted to just get to know him because – Bonna fans are hearing him, seems like, almost every week call our game. So why not get to know him a little bit, you know? I mean, at this point, we don't really have many more SBU-TV-type broadcasts, so he's almost like the, the unofficial uh, TV broadcaster for the Bonnies. Like, if he's calling games for us on ESPN Plus and a lot of the stadiums. Yeah, games. and then we'll hear him, hopefully, this summer for the TBT. I didn't know he did that as well until you told me uh, earlier this week. So, um, yeah, he... He's just a really cool guy. Uh, well traveled. He he knows his stuff. He likes a ton basketball. You you can really tell he's super passionate about it. And he also likes Olean. Yeah. Which is, I mean, I I, lo- I love Olean, and he's he's out there giving giving a good word to Olean, the Olean community, giving you some spots to come to if you come back uh, to a game. Yeah, definitely. But he won't be calling the Friday game against Davidson. That'll be on ESPN two. The Deuce. But we will have a whiteout game for that against Davidson. Probably looked a little bit of a bigger game going into the season. But Davidson, you know, kind of falling apart a little bit. But they've they've been uh, starting to pick it back up. Yeah, they did, as usual. I mean, Davidson just ready, willing, and able to chuck it up from long distance. They hit 18 threes yesterday uh, against Fordham. They took almost 40 threes. So they, wow. they have a lot. Yeah. Um, I think we have an advantage in like several spots, especially down low. They have that Brockovich kid who's, he's a pretty good big man, but Oshun kind of had his way with him last year. Uh, He 
pretty much ate that kid's lunch last year, um, even though as a team we kind of got dominated by Davidson. So that's definitely an advantage we have. Um, I just think we have to be prepared to close out on those threes because they have a whole host of guys who can hit from long range. Like you already know about Gunmanson and Grady, but this uh, young Jung Lee freshman, six seven freshman kid, yeah. he's been a phenomenal shooter. Uh, role guys like Carter Collins and Mike Jones can get hot too. Who? So. Mike Jones? Mike Jones. Who? Yeah, Mike Who? Jones. Mike Jones. Oh, Mike Jones. <laughs> Is he looking for a dime? <laughs> Is he the one? <sighs> yeah, but but all those three-pointed shooters that they do have could kind of uh, burn us if we aren't careful on three-point defense because even though our defense, I think, is pretty good, I'm going to actually use my Kempom subscription that I picked up earlier this year nice. and kind of show off a little bit of stats. Um we are actually 25th in the country in three-point percentage in terms of distribution of points by our opponents. That means we're giving, of all the points that we give up, they're 25th in the country in giving up three-pointers. So basically, long story short, is if we are giving up points, like field goals made, it's going to be a three, unfortunately, half of the time. Yeah, and that that can be a good thing if if you have good interior defense and, and you're playing tough tough defense and teams are forced to shoot threes. That can be good, uh, as you saw against St. Joe's yesterday, and even against Duquesne, minus Tavian Dunmartin. Um, so, it, it, I mean, I'm okay with that. The thing that scares me is, since joining the A10, I feel like Davidson's just been one of our worst matchups, probably along with VCU. Like, we've only beat them once out of the last seven games. That one win took three OTs at home with probably the best yeah. Bonnet team I've ever seen. Um, so they're, they're always a tough matchup for us. McKillop's a really good coach and their half court offense is always just like a well-oiled machine. Hasn't, they haven't been what people thought they would be this year, but I'm worried they're going to just start to get hot right now when we, when we have to play them. Um, but the fans and students, I mean, they'll be lubed up and ready to rock. It'll obviously be a great atmosphere on ESPN too. So home court advantage for sure this game. Yeah, that gets into one of my. Uh, we'll how much we don't have much time for the over unders because we had a long interview there. But uh, over under twenty five and a half students not wearing white. Over under twenty five and a half not wearing white. Yeah, because it's always uh, somebody. You know what I've been seeing a lot late, lately, and I really appreciate it is a ton of basketball jerseys. There are some gems of basketball jerseys in the student section. I think a lot of kids will be wearing those, and those won't be white. So I'm gonna go. Uh, over 25 and a half not wearing white all right well, hopefully they can just get find some white jerseys because it's kind of weird to see like you know there's one thing like the, like, like the kobe jersey is pretty cool but then it's like you got like some guy wearing like i don't know like a i don't know um, a luka Doncic jersey or something i don't know if that's even some one, one that somebody's worn but it's just like it has nothing it's not like any real classic jersey or anything it's just like oh I like the Mavs or whatever. Yeah, I saw like a Kevin Durant Texas jersey. Someone has a, a Matt Mobley. We're not Utah. Texas. Yeah. I know, but it's a Durant Texas jersey. It's kind of, it, I don't know, it's unique. It's something you don't really see. There's yeah. always some cool hockey jerseys. Oh, yeah. Hockey jerseys are always thick. But just wear white for one day. One day wear white, guys. Wearing, yeah, wearing another college basketball jersey, you're right, I guess. I guess that's kind of unacceptable. But it, it's a cool jersey. Like, there's a lot of uh, old school throwback jerseys in the crowd, and I always appreciate it. I'm always checking them out and seeing, like, what's the best jersey today. 
This is your Unfurled and Friends final forecast presented by Poppy's VHS Store on North Union and Olean. You already know what our Friday night A10 showcase is. Your 9 and 3 St. Bonaventure Bonnies close to 6 and 5 Davidson, February 14th, ESPN 2, 7 o'clock p.m. It's going to be just 10 degrees in Olean at tip off. Oh, wow. I don't know if they can handle that from North Carolina, 10 degrees. Yeah, I know. Uh, Maybe even 9 degrees. It might feel like 8 or 7. The action starts at noon on Saturday again, uh, CBS Sports. It'll be mid-20s and sunny in Kingston when URI hosts St. Joe's. Just a couple hours north, UMass will host Dayton to kick off an NBC Sports triple header. We love those at 12.30 p.m. And it'll be mid-20s and sunny there as well. Coverage will take us to St. Louis, where the Billikens host LaSalle. It'll be mid-40s and cloudy there and pretty windy. Maybe that's why SLU can't shoot. The last of the NBC Sports triple header will be in Fairfax, Virginia, where George Mason hosts George Washington. It'll be mid-30s and partly cloudy. Meanwhile, a big one in Richmond. The Spiders host town rival VCU at 4 o'clock. Wait, VCU? (laughs) It'll be high 30s and partly cloudy in Richmond. And of course, chase all your lost bets on Sunday when Duquesne heads to the Bronx to take on Fordham. That'll be 2 o'clock on NBC Sports. It's supposed to be low 40s and partly sunny for that. Uh, That was your Unfrozen Friends final forecast presented by Poppy's VHS Store. It's going to be a really cold one on Friday in Olean. The weather is known as the great equalizer in sports. We're a cool off Davidson's hot shooting. What do you think? I just hope it's not an actual whiteout like in terms of snow because that means we might not have a sellout. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's true. Either way, I will be there. If I have to wear like five layers of clothes, I am going to be I'm going to be there. All right, thank you all for joining us. Go enjoy the Davidson game, and let's listen to this after the game, which hopefully we won. And if we did win, can you go back in time and tell me what the spread is and what I should be on? <laughs> now, be sure to follow us on Twitter at SBUnfurled, at Bonacommenter. Be sure to also follow Matt Martucci on Twitter at T-O-O-C-H-P-X-P, Tooch-P-X-P. He's also on Instagram there. Now, be sure to also follow us on Spotify, iTunes, all your platforms are available on sbunfurled.com. Thank you very much, everybody. 